Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Greetings, cartoon connoisseurs, and welcome to the Animation Conversation, where we explore the art form from pencils to pixels. And now, here are your hosts, Rusty Shackleford and F. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Animation Conversation. Uh, I'm here with F again. Uh, how are you doing, F? What's up, party people? It's your old pal, F. There we go. Uh, so today we got a real cool episode for you guys. Anybody that's been on F's Twitter uh, recently has seen F talking about a uh, a pitch that he was asked to uh, come up with something for for Disney in uh, back in 2003. So it was uh, the Jungle Book. They asked you to turn it into some type of wacky type comedy, and you. You know, knock well, that one yeah. out of the park, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's what happened. Um, and I, I might be getting the, the years mixed up. And I apologize that this entire show is just going to be me telling a story. But No, this know, is this now, is what we want. Yeah, we want this is yeah, this right is now, super the, cool insider stuff that you can't get yeah. anywhere else other than the animation conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, this was at a time in my career when both, you know, Disney and Warner Brothers and to an extent Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon were um they would occasionally have me in to consult on stuff that, that were upcoming shows that were either in trouble or they didn't know what direction to take it or whatever 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 mm -hmm. and which i enjoyed a lot like i i loved being a cons consultant on stuff um one of the shows i did that early on for was a disney show called the replacements and um i can't remember if this was before or after jake long american dragon but what I do know is it was, um, you know, it, it was after being the supervising director of uh, Fair Loud Parents. So this was at a time in my career yeah. where my mo my mojo was pretty strong. Like people wanted to know what John Fountain thought about things. So um, and I'd worked with Disney now on a, on a couple of occasions. And there were there were a handful of people in the Disney upper offices who were huge John Fountain fans. And then there were others who were huge, not John Fountain fans. Mm -hmm. um, the little the little cabal of people who were huge John Fountain fans were just perpetually looking for an excuse to have me do something with the studio because everyone was saying I was going to be the next Butch Hartman. So um, one of the executives who I particularly got along with was given the assignment of um, doing this series of things that they were calling the Legacy Project. And what that was, was they were going to take a whole bunch of their, uh, you know, properties and fit them as television series. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to bring in different creators to get their take on those things. I did this once uh, for Warner Brothers, too, for Thundercats. But that'll be a whole other show. Oh, wow. Yeah, that'll have to be a whole other show because Thundercats so, is one so of my anyway, favorites. I, I go into Disney and this uh, this executive sitting across from me. And he's like, John, we're, we're doing this thing called the Legacy Project where we're taking shows and we're having creators, you know, retrofit them for, for television. And I'm looking around his wall and all of the possibilities are on his wall. And I'm seeing things like Goofy and Tron 
and the Rocketeer and, um, you know, Donald Duck and, and just all of these great properties that I, I looked at and I just started salivating. I'm like, oh my gosh, any one of these would be amazing. Um, I, I was especially eyeballing Tron because I was like, oh my gosh, I'd love to get my hands on Tron. Because yeah. I, lo- I, I kept, this was at a time where I was dying to prove to people that I could do an action show. Um, but I'm looking around and I see the, the name Jungle Book on the wall. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, anything but Jungle Book, anything but Jungle Book, anything but Jungle Book. Now, let me preface this um, for everyone who's getting upset with me right now. I like the movie Jungle Book. It's never been my favorite of the Disney movies, but I, I appreciate its place in mm-hmm. the you know lexicon of Disney greats. It's a, it's a great movie. But it's it's nothing inside my wheelhouse. It's not high comedy. It's not high action. It's not, you know, that kind of in-your-face thing. So um, I'm sitting there going, oh, anything but Jungle Book, anything but Jungle Book, anything but Jungle Book. And the next words out of his mouth were, John, we'd like you to do a take on Jungle Book. And uh, like, oh. <laughs> of course. Um, and And then the next words out of his mouth, I absolutely couldn't believe. Because he was like, we want you to take Jungle Book and you, we want you to make it a wacky comedy like Ren and Stimpy. And I was thinking to myself, Jungle Book is a lot of things. It is heartwarming. It's poignant. It's uh, entertaining. It's deep. But it is not funny. It's not funny. No, there's, no, no, no. There's, there's very little that's funny. About the only thing Jungle that's Book. funny in it at all to me, the original Jungle Book, is probably Baloo and Louie. Those are the only yeah. two that I find funny at all. There, there's that's the only comedic relief. And then the the three crows that sound like the Beatles. Those are the only three things about the Jungle Book that are funny to me. But even those aren't like that's not. No, wacky that's not that's not wacky. You know, that's, no, that's 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 not wacky at all. No, 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 no. And so they're like, we we want you to we want your take on Jungle Books. I'm just like, oh boy. And so I go home. Uh, I actually reread the book or I read the book. I had never read it before. I, don't, I, I watched the movie. One of the reasons they were doing it was because uh, they had either released or they were about to release the Jungle Book 2 um, straight to video movie. And so I watched that and I'm like, okay, Jungle Book, Jungle Book, Jungle Book. What can I do with this? And you know, I actually um, went through a few different iterations. I'm like, maybe I can convince them to make this into more of an action show where you know Mowgli is sort of the guardian of the jungle and yada 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 and he's he's an almost Tarzan like character and I played around with that I played around you know with some other sort of vague ideas and I'm just like oh how do I make this funny they're not funny they're not funny and I'm looking around my studio and um, I, I look over to my bookshelf and I've got a big stack of Calvin and Hobbes collections. Okay. And it hits me. I'm like, oh my gosh. Mowgli and Baloo were Calvin and Hobbes before Calvin and Hobbes were. So it's not even really stealing. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and from there on out, it was smooth sailing because I was like, I'm going to do a Calvin and Hobbes version. And I imagine at that Jungle point, Book. imagine at that point, if you have a stack of Calvin and Hobbes behind you, you have a lot of reference oh. material inside of your head that you could go yeah. from off of this. Yeah. 
Well, and make make no mistake. I mean, obviously, I love Calvin and Hobbes, and I consider mm-hmm. Bill Watterson to be one of the geniuses of, of our age. And so suddenly, this thing that I was dreading, I was now like on fire for. I was like, this is going to be awesome. And so, you know, one of the first things I did. The Jungle Jams. I put together... Yeah, I, I didn't want it to be called Jungle Book because I didn't want people to... I wanted people to relate to it who hadn't even necessarily seen mm. any of the movies. Um, I wanted you to be able to, you know, watch it just as a... I wanted you to be able to come in cold and just watch it as a comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was my take on it, was Mowgli was this kid and he had all the history from the first two movies. But, you know, he was, you know, raised in the jungle and... So he was always, you know, sort of fighting between um, his his jungle life versus his now life trying to, you know, incorporate himself into uh, a world with with other humans. And and that's often what is going on with Calvin and Hobbes, because Hobbes um, sort of represents, uh, you know, Calvin's fantasy world and everything they can do with their imagination, whereas, you know, Calvin is stuck in the real world. So. Mm. Um, you know, I, I did what, um, everybody does. I started, you know, sketching up the characters. Oh, I really like, uh, Shere Khan. I really like this. Yeah. It's such a, like the, 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 the model you use for Shere Khan and, yeah. uh, the, the one you use for Bajira. I really like their faces and stuff like that. The, the long drawn out, like cat faces. Yeah. yeah. So, so the next step was, and now I, I told this to the executive who, who hired me. And he was like, oh, my gosh, this is great. I love this idea. He's like, but you're going to have a hard time selling this to the higher ups. And I'm like, well, I've got a perfect idea how to sell this to the higher ups. Um, I'm going to do a bunch of comic strips, single panel comic strips showing how this can be funny. And so and I and I very intentionally and very sort of lovingly tried to do it in a combination of my own style and sorry to interject but that stuff is absolutely beautiful that is some really good drawings i really like that so and so i did um like i I can't remember 10 or 11 or 12 um single panel comics showing how this would be funny Mm -hmm. and 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 by the way they're up on twitter so actually uh uh, yeah they're 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 on f's twitter and uh if you guys want to know my favorite single panel one that he posted i really like the blue holding uh mowgli with the uh honeybees Mm. over shere khan's head as shere khan's trying to eat a gopher i imagine is what that is uh some small creature but he's got the he's like dangling it over his head getting ready to drop this you know hornet's nest bees nest on top of shere khan Right. So, so, and, and that was it. I, I did a whole series of these comics. And if you, if you go to my page on Twitter at fountain cartoon, uh, I've, I've posted them all there. Cause it's not like I can do anything. Mm-hmm. With them. And, um, so I did a bunch of those and th- by golly, it worked. The other executives saw this and they were like, Oh wow. And I, you know, these are, these are very funny. And I said to them, well, if I can do those with a single panel comic, imagine what i can do you know if we if we go to a series and much to you know even my surprise they were like yeah okay write up a treatment so um you know i i set to work and this you know this is the treatment there's a bunch of my rough sketches in here you know any good treatment has a whole bunch of post-it notes stuck into it um you know lots of scribbles lots of lots of sketches 
And, uh, you know, I would, ha I wrote an outline and I showed that to the executives. They approved it. They sent it back. And then, um, I, I wrote an entire script called enter the Mowgli, um, where again, it sort of set the stage for Mowgli's struggle between being a human and being, you know, a, a kid that loves hanging out with his animal friends. And, um, you know, it, it, I turned out really it was one of the few occasions where i've written an entire script from stem to stern like all by yeah. myself because i've i've always been the first person to say um i'm one of the best writers that i know but i am not a great script writer i'm mm. not a great screenwriter and that's that is a whole other art form yeah for that sure. i readily admit i'm not great at but i wrote this one uh all on my own and i thought it turned out great and i did i did some storyboard panels for it and i just sort of showed you know here's what it would look like and i had really only two or three other people at disney helping me out i had someone doing color with me and then there was the executive who, who would give me notes based on the stuff i turned in but for, for the most part there was no crew it was just me um, but each, each time I, I took another pass at this, I was like, this, this could really be something like this, this is coming, coming together really well. And, um, you know, finally I finished it up. I was super duper proud of it. The executive who originally brought me on was possibly the only person who was more excited about it than I was. Cause the thing, you know, for those of you who are interested in the industry, one of the things that will happen is if you're, you know, if you're someone who's got some mojo behind them, you'll find an executive who wants to attach themselves to you so that they can sort of be the one who discovered you. And he thought, we both thought this show was going to be huge and we thought it was going to pick get a pickup, no problem. Because, you know, again, everyone who has ever seen this Bible, and this is the reaction that it's getting on Twitter, looks at it and says, this is a no-brainer. No-brainer. Looking Why through your this... thread. Yeah, looking through your thread. I'm not sure what argument anybody could posit that that wouldn't have been a successful show. And that's coming from the audience that watches your show's executives. As as a member of your audience, I, I yeah. that would have been a show that I don't care what age. Like, if they decide to redo this and I'm 50 and it comes out and it's, you know, John yeah. F.'s creation stuff like 100 years later, I would still watch it. You know, it looks like something that is very, very watchable. I'm, I'm kind of mad that it didn't never, exist, to be honest with you. Yeah, it kind of pisses me off. I, this And this, by the way, this was at a time when I had my own shows in development at a couple of different studios. Mm -hmm. And yet I was very excited about this. Like, yeah. I just thought this is where I'm going to be able to, like, really flex my my wacky comedy muscles in ways that I hadn't before. Because, yes, I'd been working on comedies, but they'd been comedies like... The Fairly Odd Parents, which is not very squashy, stretchy, and yeah. it's very, it's got that very stylized thing that I'm frankly not all that good at. So I was really excited about it. And and by the way, I want to take a moment now that you mention it to, uh, you know, obviously I can't go through the list of names, but I I do want to say thank you so much to everyone on Twitter who has viewed this and liked it and shared it. I've gotten people saying things like, oh my gosh, why wasn't this part of my childhood? And I would have watched the hell out of this. And what, what can we do to get this, you know, you know, that's back? the, uh, that's the bittersweet part about hearing all these insider stories is, you know, we didn't know what we were missing out on. You know, we didn't know all these things, but now that we're uh, getting to dive into some of these conversations, we get to see all these beautiful things that you creators have created that don't get to see the light of day for whatever benign you know it could be it could be just something as simple as 
we don't want to do it, you know, with no proper well, explanation yeah. or anything, you know? Yeah. Well, and look, I'll, I'll be honest, because I was friends with a lot of development executives at the time. I, I yeah. got chummy with them. And as such, I got to sit in their offices and look through the stuff that they got pitched. And, you know, for every one really, really great idea that, um, you know, we all missed out on, Mm-hmm. There, there were a thousand really terrible ones. Oh, I can and, only imagine. Yeah. Oh, there, there. I, I just, and the thing is, like some of them, you can tell come from a really sincere place, and you just, you know, you want to give the show a hug just because you can tell the person was trying so hard, and and you know, but but just no chance whatsoever of getting picked up at Disney or a major studio or something yeah. like that, and. And, you know, again, for every thousand of those, you'd maybe, maybe have one that even had some potential. Mm-hmm. But again, I kept looking at this thing. This this doesn't just have potential. This is this is literally a no brainer. So we got very excited. And boy, did I learn uh, that time around to never let yourself get too excited because um, we we did. And you know, the material got passed around the, um, you know, the upper echelons and they just flat out passed on it. Now they didn't pass on it. Nobody said this isn't good enough. You know, nobody said, we don't like what you did. Um, I think everybody who sees it and everybody who saw it liked what they saw, Mm -hmm. but you know, at every, at every animation studio, and I'm sure at every movie studio, television studio, they, you know, there are regimes and there are regime changes. And those people who are in charge of those regimes, um, you know, they look at the network in a broad strokes way and they say, this is the direction that we're going to be going in. And, um, you know, at that time, what I was told was, you did a really great job, but um, this is not the direction that the, that the studio is going in. And, you know, what can I tell you? It broke my heart. Uh, now, again, my heartbreak healed pretty quickly because not shortly thereafter I sold a different show. And now that that wound up breaking my heart because that was my own creation and didn't get picked up. But, you know, this this again, this was one of those uh, one of those things that that happens in the industry where, um, you know, I allowed myself to think, well, this is way too good to get passed on. But, you know, it, it went on to show that just because something is really, 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 really good doesn't mean it's going to be successful. You know, yeah. there are a lot of shows that come and go um, that everyone who sees them are undeniably like, oh, yeah, this this show is brilliant. This show is fantastic or this movie is brilliant. So let me and ask you this. Crazy. This is a question that yeah. I got to ask. And this is for like the animation industry as a whole, because I'm not really because I know I think I'm pretty sure they do this with like movies, movies. But do they screen yeah. like these these pilots and these things like that? So like, did this ever come to a point where you actually had a chunk of animation for somebody to screen? No, no, it never it never got that far. It, it Ordinarily, at the stage that I was in, all they wanted was a script, but I've always been a big believer in over delivering. Yeah. So I also did some storyboards. I feel like over delivering in the animation industry, you have a higher chance of getting your show picked up. If you give them more tangible things to look at, to see, you know, not only what you could do, but just to see what it would, you know, potentially look like fleshed out. That's exactly it. You want You want to show the potential that it has. And, um, you know, that, that was always, that was always my thing. If, you know, the, the more you can illustrate something, the greater your chances are 
of that person sort of getting what you what you're going for and um you know if they're just reading a script it's just kind of this abstract thing that they have to picture in their minds and a lot of a lot of the people who are in charge of you know giving the stamp of approval on this stuff are not very good at picturing things in their minds and and i you know again i don't begrudge them for that mm -hmm. so i tried to you know produce a, a whole number of illustrations and that was the other thing I, I was i was convinced we at least get to do a pilot but no we didn't get to do any animation we didn't even get to do an animatic um and and that's why i say i don't think it had anything to do with disney at no point did anyone at disney even the people who didn't like me at disney i don't think any of them said this isn't good it's just not um, a direction that they were they were they were going in a different not, direction and that just didn't fit whatever the business model was at that right. point in time. Yeah, it's that's and, and I mean, look if you if you look back, I, I can't even remember what direction they were going in in two thousand and three. But if that's when all this was going on, so if you look at the sort of what was going on in two thousand three, four, and five, then you can kind of see how something based on Jungle Book wasn't really you know fitting in with what they were doing at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it, again, it's it's kind of it's one of those things. Um, I, I often bemoan the fact this I think is the only legacy project I've ever gotten to work on. I've never gotten to work on like a Bugs Bunny show. I've never gotten to do anything with Mickey Mouse or Snoopy uh, or, or or any like existing legacy characters. I've always been on stuff that's new. Well, if you ever want to do anything wacky with Mickey Mouse, his IP runs out pretty soon, I believe. I think yeah. it's like in the next year or two. Disney's scratching really right. Their legal teams are going nuts right now to figure out how they can protect it still. But right now, see what what's what's what I want people to take away from this though is and I, and I tried to evoke this on on Twitter and I I hope to uh you know bang this point home yeah. uh, as much as I can is it's easy to hear this story and go oh my gosh that's so sad and oh my gosh you know poor f and oh what a what a tragedy for all of us that we didn't get to see this show and and that that really is the remaining tragedy is that I wish I could have brought you this show because I think I could have entertained you with it but don't feel bad for me because it was this show that taught me how much I love a challenge. Because this went from being, oh, please, anything but Jungle Book to this is one of the best things I've ever written. This is one of the best yeah. things I've ever, you know, gotten my hands on. And ever since then, I, I have always, you know, when dealing with executives and when dealing with clients and when, when dealing with anybody, um, you know, I almost look for the challenge. And if something isn't challenging enough, I almost get bored because now I have come to realize that a lot of times it's when you're working against what's comfortable that you come up with your very best stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I've come I've come across a lot of animation students and young animators and stuff like that. Uh, particularly when I was teaching at CalArts, I would challenge them in some way. For this very reason, they'll be like, "Well, I don't, I don't like doing that type of stuff," and I'm like, "That's exactly why you should do it." That's exactly, yeah. You gotta, you gotta go outside of your comfort zone to, and that's not just that's just like a whole wide, broad spectrum of things. 
You've got to yeah. you've got to go outside of your comfort zone to get anywhere or do anything in yeah. life, honestly. To get, especially if you're uh, a creator or an entrepreneur or somebody who's got one of those creative minds, you you have to pull the bandaid off and do things yeah. that make you feel wholly uncomfortable to be able to get anywhere. Like me doing podcasting when I first started doing it, I really wasn't that comfortable uh, sitting and talking for an hour in front of a camera, mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know. Because I don't mind sitting and talking for an hour; I have no issue with talking. Period. But just doing it and then putting it out for the world to see and all that kind of stuff, you know, it it uh, it does take a take a lot. It takes a, a certain kind of person to be able to rip that bandaid off and just dive into stuff. Yeah. But you got to do it well, if you want to be good at anything. And moreover, I get I get especially on Twitter, I get other you know young artists and stuff uh, asking me all the time, you know, how do you deal with writer's block or how do you deal with artist block? You know, how do you how do you deal with it when you're blocked? And my answer is I do something challenging do something that is actively you know probably not going to be very much fun yeah and that man that is almost always the cure is to come up with a way to challenge yourself in a way that you've never been challenged before not for sure yeah 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 absolutely and you and you you know you mentioned it you're an example of that too i mean my goodness uh i i feel like you know, a lot of people sit around going, oh, it would be neat to do that, but I don't know how. And what if it's what if it's a failure and what if nobody likes it? And you know what, if if you're just doing it for yourself, who cares? You know, Absolutely. And that's what all this is, is, you know, for me, F, I could care less if anybody really. I mean, I want people to watch our show, but if nobody watched it, just the conversations that I'm having and the people I get to talk to and, uh, you know, th- some of the stuff that I'm getting exposed to in this, like your jungle jams that you're sharing and stuff like that. Uh, if I would have never have, you know, reached out to you, I would have, we would have never, never got this far. And that, and that's a big thing too, what a lot of people are scared of. They're scared to ask people who they revere or they put on this pedestal. Uh, they're afraid to ask them, Hey, will you talk to me? Or, Hey, will you have a conversation yeah. with me? Whereas I will email Japan at four in the morning, uh, trying to get guests and stuff. Uh, hopefully we right. can get a guest out of that. Honestly, uh, shout out to, uh, it's Pokemon concierge is the, the show that's coming out. And it's uh, all stop motion animation, and that's what I, I, I liked about it the most. And the fact that it's being done by a Japanese studio as well, it was just I don't know because I know that Japanese studios uh, they kind of like uh, uh, like our our last guest Elliot said Japanese studios don't really follow the traditional Western pattern of animation, and so that's that's I'm kind of interested in that too. So hopefully we get a conversation out of that. Uh, I got a quick question for you. So I've been, uh, in some of the people I've seen that like Garbage Boy, I've done a little bit more seeing, and now there's some people that are, you know, kind of poo-pooing on it. So what do you have to say to naysayers about Garbage Boy and uh, Trash Can? Do you have anything for the naysayers? No. No, I don't either. Honestly, they're uh, they're missing out on good stuff. I think they'll. Uh, I think once it's released, they'll 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 change their tune. It's not out yet, so they can't. I really... I, I can't be made to care. Yeah. No, you're um, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you're you're either gonna like the show or you're not. And if you don't like the show, then it's not it's for you. Not the show for you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've I've talked about this a million times. I could name you right now, um, three shows that absolutely everybody not just likes not just loves but reveres Mm -hmm. like and i can't stand them (laughs) so so for for me to be upset for someone that they don't like something i've worked on whether it's garbage boy and trash can or whether it's fairly odd parents or 
you know, for me to begrudge anybody who doesn't like something that I do, I would then be putting myself in the position to defend myself for not liking the things that I don't like. And, and I, I don't feel like that's necessary, you know, oh, absolutely. Like, not everything is for everybody. And yeah. it's, that's, that's not how it's going to be. Now there's a difference between saying, I don't like something and saying that thing isn't good. Um, you, you will hear me say, um, I don't like something, but I can very easily tell you, but it has, it has quality. Like this was yeah. made with care and this was made with, you know, you can tell that people put a lot of, uh, effort into it. We were talking earlier about the sing movies. I don't yeah. like, I don't like the sing movies, but I can tell that they got some top talent working on that and other people love them. Yeah, for sure. So, so you're not going to hear me say, uh, the sing movies are bad. You're going to hear me say, I don't like them. Like they're not for me and that's perfectly legitimate. So to anyone who, you know, looks at anything I've worked on and says, you know, well, what you've done is bad. Then to me, that's just trolling. And that's just yeah. like, all right, you're a sad, angry, bitter individual. And you, you know, this is, this is how you make yourself feel a little bit better by, about how miserable you are by looking <laughs> at something that somebody worked really hard on and then, yeah. you know, shit talking it. And, and again, my, the only reason I ever resent stuff like that is because I now pity you. Yeah, for and sure. Yeah. I don't want to sit around feeling pity for you. So yeah, for sure. I feel that, um, yeah. you know, that's, that's kind of where that comes and goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, again, um, I don't even going back to jungle jams. I don't begrudge. And this, this again, this is why I, I sort of had a reputation in the industry for being one of the, you know, few creators who wasn't angry all the time. I when when stuff of mine got passed on, um, you know, I didn't sit there and stamp my feet and be like, oh, the world is against me. It's like, no. And and by the way, they didn't pass on it necessarily because they don't like you or even because they don't like their show. They've got a bigger agenda in front of them, and it may not include you. And that's that's kind of life. So it that too is one of the other little lessons that I took away from this that I hope, you know, other people will get from this animation conversation. There you go. Is that you know, um, experiencing rejection or experiencing disappointment, um, including in something that you have created and that you put a little bit of yourself into. You know, that exists for a reason. Feeling those feelings of rejection and disappointment, those those are emotions and those are uh, feelings that you can put into your work and then you've taken something that you thought was negative and you've turned it into a positive. Yeah, as a human um, being, there's no point in walking around pissed off all the time. Absolutely, I totally agree with that sentiment. There's really yeah. no reason to, because if you do, then you're you're missing out on life if you're just pissed all the time. You, you miss out on things because you're too worried about what you're mad about to, to enjoy what's in front of you type stuff, yeah. Well, and again, without without disappointment, happiness has no meaning. Yeah, it's just, it's, it would just you be... Know. You know, it would be even that you got to have the you got to have ebbs and flows, you know, like a tide. Yeah. You got to have that. Every, yeah, everything would just be flatlined. So, again, you know, would end and somebody somebody recently asked on my Twitter, you know, have you ever pitched a show that got passed on? And I was like, a show? No, I've pitched literally probably three dozen shows that got passed on. Yeah. 
And it was a disappointment every time, but every time I walked away from it going, well, I have gained this much more experience at pitching and putting together a Bible. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes you can't see right away where that experience is going to lead you or, or how that experience is going to help you later on in life. So, yeah, you know, again, I, I feel like we try and sell people a lot on this notion that you're supposed to be happy all the time and that you're, you're never supposed to experience disappointment. Yeah. And, and you set yourself it, up for failure when you, uh, you don't, you don't, you know, it's the expectations. Once you set all these crazy expectations for life, you set yourself up for that failure. Right. You know, again, life and, you know, I don't want to get preacher or anything here, but life is, you know, um, multifaceted and multicolored and multi everything, you know, you and and you have to embrace all of it. And especially as artists, you know, if if you're an artist or if you're someone who does something creative, you know, my goodness, um Art is is almost always created through pain, you know. Oh, I've, I've got this I've got this theory that that I you know this is the hill I'm going to die upon until somebody tells me otherwise. All comedy comes from pain, and it, and, it and from- comedy that's not funny, like comedians who aren't funny, are generally comedians who haven't experienced those type of pains right. in life. Uh, I'll use Jeff Foxworthy example because it's just one <laughs> that I can think of that a lot of people like. So Jeff Foxworthy is wholly funny to a lot of people, but he's yeah. not funny to me because I don't feel pain in his comedy. He is right. not. He didn't grow up in a trailer park. He didn't grow up in this like redneck environment that he talks about. He grew yeah. up a you know uh, a, a a you know a, a normal middle class life, and that's what I, I just don't find his humor that funny. And most of the comedians that I find the funniest are the ones who have been through a lot of trials and a lot of tribulations in life because that's what comedy is. It's a, uh, a, a poke at everyday life. And if you haven't right. experienced everyday life in an everyday way, because, uh, you know, the majority of people are going through pain and trials and tribulations yeah. in life. I'm not saying Jeff Fox really hasn't, but the majority of people no. are going through deep trials and tribulations. You know, the 99% of the population is going through that. So it's it's way more relatable. And, and that's in, in, in any media form of media is pain, you know, in, in well, that yeah, art. And, and again, we're, we are, we're also talking about a sliding scale of pain. We're talking about lesser and greater degrees of pain, yeah. you know. You can be when you talk about pain as a means for comedy, you can talk about slipping on a banana peel, you know, one of the yeah, oldest yeah, jokes. Yeah. Um, you can talk about why did the chicken cross the road to get to the other side? Even that the reason that's funny is because you are made to feel embarrassed for not getting the answer right in the first place yeah. because it's so incredibly obvious. So it can be a small amount of pain or it can be getting shot out of a cannon and having your head go up an elephant's butt. It can, <laughs> yeah. it can be a small amount of pain or it can be a large amount of pain. But, you know, uh, c- characters who are happy all the time and characters who are, you know, positive and upbeat and uh, all that all the time are, are very rarely funny. Or if they're funny, they're a little funny. And I would question, are they funny or are they validating? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and people do like to be validated. And, and by the way, I do, if that's what you're into, that's fantastic. If it makes you happy, that's great. But, 
you know, for me myself, I've always liked the big laughs, you know, I've always, I've, you know, anytime you can take a stupid joke and make it even stupider, um, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's, that's why I say when, when you think about my little jungle jams tale, um, try to think of it the way I think of it as a, as a stepping stone to a, a much greater, larger realization about myself. And if, you know, there are people saying now you should pitch it again. And I just, I have no time or energy for that, Yeah. but I, I can, I can say to everyone that I got out of it stuff that was way more valuable than any paycheck or any, you know, credit on a series. You know, I, I got out of it real true uh, self-awareness and, and, you know, you just, you can't, you can't put a price on that. No, you can't, you can't at all. Well, uh, that was a great story. No, I really liked hearing about that. That's some good insider stuff. Well, there you go. That was uh jungle jams, everybody, uh, with a F here. No, that's, that's cool stuff. Uh, I hope we get some more cool stories like that about some other stuff that you've, uh, that you've worked on and not, oh, I've, not I've brought got a to million and, Yeah. I can't wait. Uh, you yeah. know, I'll, uh, be sure to, uh, follow me on Twitter at fountain cartoon and, be sure to um, you know like, share, and subscribe my U- YouTube channel, Fountains Pen Cartoons, um, where we are we are currently creating brand new cartoons with with nobody other than me, um, sort of uh, dealing out the comedy. It's me and my fantastic crew of now 130 people. Wow! Uh, creating new free original content for you guys. And, you know, this one, no one's going to be able to say to me, you know, no, we're not interested in that. These, This is just straight from the creators to you, the public. So please uh, get on YouTube, like, share, and subscribe. And I will be telling more stories. I, I, this is mostly what I'm on Twitter for is to tell more stories like this. And I will always be sort of previewing what we're going to talk about on this show. So yeah, for sure. Follow me, follow Animation Conversation. Yeah, follow all that stuff. Uh, we're now on Threads. I believe F is on Threads too now, correct? Uh, I'm not on Threads. He's not on Threads. I am on, I'm on Fountains Pen Productions is on Blue Sky. Okay, Blue Sky. Fountain Pen Productions. There. You can follow them on Blue Sky. Uh, we are on Threads. Animation Combo is on Threads. You can find us on Threads, Instagram, and Twitter now. Uh, I'll be continuing to post our uh our weekly announcement whenever we get ready to air the shows uh wednesday 6 p.m that's going to be our time slot for the foreseeable future and uh, that you can always find us there on youtube and that's 6 p.m central uh for everybody that's not in the central time zone so uh that's been another conversation uh, another animation conversation with uh myself here and this is your old pal f ziggy ziggy party people ziggy ziggy And that brings us to the end of another incredible episode of Animation Conversation. We hope you enjoyed this animated adventure as much as we did. Remember, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, we would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to us on our social media channels or through good old-fashioned email. We value your input and want to make Animation Conversation a podcast that resonates with animation lovers like you. Our Instagram and Twitter are at Animation Convo. Our YouTube is at Animation Conversation. Our email is theanimationconvo at gmail.com. Before we say our final goodbyes, we want to remind you to stay animated. 
Keep exploring, appreciating, and sharing the magic of animation with others. Let your imagination soar and let the world of animated wonders continue to inspire and captivate you. Thank you once again for joining us on this incredible journey. Until next time, this is Wubcake, signing off for Animation Conversation. Keep watching, keep dreaming, and keep the animation conversation alive!